Hey, thanks for joining us. I'm Adam Stone, and this is the Committed Collective Podcast. With my co-host, Steve Kerwin and Byron Hazley, we speak to an array of great guests to discuss ways to unify, educate, and empower ourselves against racism and social economic inequality. Steve, where can our listeners find us on social media? Yeah, first off, you can find us on our website at thecommittedcollective.org. Don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter. Next, you can find us at The Committed Collective on Instagram and Facebook. And my personal favorite, The Committed Collective Forum on Facebook, where we have open dialogue topics about conversations that we need to have that we might not necessarily want to. As always, remember to challenge inequalities and champion change now. What's up, everybody? This is The Committed Collective Podcast. Got the whole crew with me, Byron Hazley, Steve Kerwin. Great to see both you guys. Uh, it's it's always good to have the whole team together. Byron, we missed you last week. What's the new fella? How you doing, sir? Oh, been battling the winter blues over here, Adam. Got some bugs going on, trying to get back on that health train. You know, speaking of, little fact here for you guys. Start the new year, or at least the new year show for me off right. 38.5% of U.S. adults set a New Year's resolution, yet only 9% actually keep their New Year's resolution. So just thought I'd start things off with a little fact there. Um, with that, I'll toss it over to Steve. Steve, how you doing? Good, sir. It's great to have you back. Glad you're off IR and, and making it. I think that's interesting. I would have guessed that like 90% have some type of new year's resolution. I totally, totally believe the 9%. Um, I myself have still kept up with all of my resolutions as we're getting through January. So all of them, you have multiple resolutions. Yeah. Doesn't everybody, right. It's just, it's a normal, it's the normal stuff. I just want to keep, uh, I think heart health is probably my biggest one. That is, and that's not going to be a, that's got to be a lifestyle change. I think, uh, Eliminating fried foods. I just love them. And maybe I don't need to eat McDonald's weekly. That one's TBD, but really it starts with the fried foods. That was exactly where I was going to go. You're cutting <laughs> out McDonald's from your diet. Listen, I do it every year in January. Okay. We do a We do a cleanse in January. We eat healthy. I drink a, uh, I call it the Kerwin green shake, just a bunch of green fruits and vegetables. I mix it all together. And I have been on the Peloton every single day in January. And Adam, let me just give you a shout out that once again, Mr. Superhuman strength over here, I'm like dying and sweating and he's got me doubled up by the end of it. And I'm like, get me out of here. I still got to get that recipe for the green juice. Oh, it's it's good. I don't do the juicing. I, I blend it. And as long as you throw a banana in there. You're fine. Banana and, and green apple, you bring all the vegetables together. That, that sounds good. No, I mean, that's uh, that's good. I mean, New Year's resolutions, you know, I, I definitely uh, I get a couple in, but yeah, I get, those stats, they're not surprising. And unfortunately, I think we're talking about a couple of uh, New Year's resolutions in terms of people that we're hoping move on and, you know, the cancel culture 
is coming back to to get people. And, you know, I think we should talk about whether there's more double standards at play, you know, going into 2023. And then also we got some positive stuff to to get into the second half of the show. And I'm excited to talk about that because it concerns our hometown state, Michigan, being one of the states at the forefront of some really good, positive legislation for the kids. So, um, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. But let's get to the the main discussion to start the show, cancel culture, whether we're still seeing the same impact that there was during the me too movement or do you think byron that it's starting to die off and you know we're seeing instances of people getting away with stuff that just wasn't happening even 18 months ago it's definitely the latter i feel like people are getting a little bit of fatigue cancel culture fatigue i guess i would say um because for a moment there almost anything said People were getting canceled, but now we're at a point where people are, we're kind of taking steps back to the extreme opposite way where we've got certain individuals doing things that absolutely shouldn't be acceptable and seemingly are getting away with it just because of who they are or the amount of money they have or the control that they have over the media and how things are portrayed. So, yeah, I mean, it's sad, but hopefully we can find that happy medium where people that are doing things wrong, you know, those are the ones that are canceled. People that, you know, aren't doing anything too crazy. You're entitled to your own opinion. But when you cross that line, you're a man, you're putting your hand on a woman. That's a problem. Steve, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so I think for me. I've always struggled with the cancel culture because it's not consistent. It's never been consistent. It'll never be consistent. So yes, the idea when you're out shouting racist things in public and then it gets back and you get fired, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. And that's not cancel culture. That's just you doing dumb shit in public. That's coming back to bite you. Right. The problem is when you look back and somebody did something 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, this person 60 years ago. We all have skeletons in our closet. We all made prior mistakes and not necessarily like the racial component or the the beating of a spouse and different things like that. But that's going to spin in people's minds that, well, I did things and that's going to freak them out about it as well. So I think the idea of just becoming better and trying to stay consistent, you know, I it, it it's a very, very and the, the biggest issue is it's a very, very, very fine line, a very fine line. Some things are not, um, which I know we're going to get into of why, you know, certain people can get away with some things and why can some people not get away with even anything. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think. Like you were saying, just having some balance there. And then, you know, what we talk about all the time with the committed collective and, you know, the podcast or just the the inequalities that are out there. And, you know, in this space, I think it starts with the entertainment, sports entertainment world, but it goes all over and it's pervasive throughout the economy and, you know, throughout society in general. 
And we do see those examples of uh, situations, even with like Dana White, where he gets caught on camera, you know, slapping his wife, you know, longtime wife. They have a fight. They're drinking. I think they're in Cabo at the time. And he got a collective interview, a, a positive spin interview with TMZ when TMZ normally doesn't allow stuff like that, you know, for a lot of his uh, fighters who are in the UFC, they don't really get the same treatment in these situations. And, you know, for the most part, he's been able to weather the storm and almost have the ability to punish himself uh, when people who are in the UFC and other capacities don't get that same luxury and they're out immediately or, you know, they're punished heavily. And you know, I think that's just an instance, even when he's trying to look like quote unquote, the good guy, He's just flexing his privilege and and really boasting about how much he can do as opposed to somebody else that might look a little bit different or have a different uh, pocketbook. I think, too, to, to piggyback on the Dana White thing, which I think is extremely comparable to the Brett Favre situation. Uh, very little remorse. I mean, Brett Favre has never said anything, literally stole money um, from the people that that need it most. It's one of the most conniving things I've ever seen yet. We don't talk about, but with, with Dana white, you literally run a fighting promotion and you're out here hitting your wife. And I get it. Probably should have restrained. I get it drunk. We don't know the whole story. We don't know what was said, all these different details. Um, but we saw enough. And to your point, what would have happened two years ago? If that would have happened, he'd be out of the UFC. Most likely we'd, almost quickly. So there would there would have been a move or maybe he's got so much power. He wouldn't. The the unfortunate sad thing is that as a as a society, we make a really big deal about something and then we forget about it very quickly and everybody moves on. And he knows that's what's going to happen and nobody's going to care about it. Hayes, what do you think? Yeah. And that's who I was alluding to earlier. I didn't. And and that's my fault. I didn't say his name. But um, yeah, it was Dana White. It's just, I mean, for me, it's just disappointing to see, uh, to Adam's point, like, you've seen it time and time again, but then when it's time for them to hold themselves accountable, they're not doing it. Um, and I don't even know what you do. How do you fix that? How do you get someone to hold themselves accountable in the public eye? You know, why should they be in the position to hold themselves accountable more than anything? I mean, I think for a lot of situations, yes, we get it. People are able to have bad decisions, you know, make amends for those bad decisions, move on. You know, things that are personal matters within the family, you handle things in the family, you know, on a private way, but at the same time, you know, there are punishments for things that are attached to this. And even when, you know, you're jumping to something like what was going on with yay Kanye West, when he basically had to poke Adidas in the eye to get Adidas to terminate his contract after all the things that were said and, you know, the, the backlash and all the uproar that came from that was something that had to bubble up to so, so high of a point that they really couldn't do anything, but, terminate their agreement with him and, you know, figure something else out. But even then we're seeing situations where it doesn't seem like these companies want to sever these ties. There really doesn't seem like the same 
type of momentum for the for the changes or for the moves that were made, you know, during that Harvey Weinstein period and things like that. And for what we've just come out of through 2020 with George Floyd, is that something that concerns you guys when it comes to that, that fighter, that focus on racism and socioeconomic inequality, you know, do you see that same type of path in, in the forecast? So this is why people hate media, right? Because media spins us in whatever direction they want to spin us. It's always been that way. It's always going to be that way. They know how to do it. They know how to get the general public to shift it, whatever direction they want for elections, different things to to take us off. And I think you bring up a really good point, or at least the point I think you were going was that I think Kanye West and Kyrie are two people. Nobody necessarily felt sorry for them because they constantly say things that make you slim you know, your, your hand up against your head. So when things happen to them, but in the same sense, I mean, Kyrie Irving got suspended for a good chunk of the NBA season. I would know he was on my fantasy team and for a tweet that he shared, right? So he shares a tweet. I, I understand the importance of that tweet or, or the importance of the power that he possessed with that tweet and how it was against the Jewish community. I totally understand all of that. But he shared a tweet as do we put that as the same level as stealing five million dollars from a fund in Mississippi like Brett Favre did slapping your wife in the public when you when you run a promotion. So I think to to your point, I just don't know how this is going to get better because power dictates everything and we have it as a society we have the power if we stop watching ufc and say we're not watching till dana white's gone and everybody jumps in or the ratings get hit he gets fired this is all done but we're not going to do that and and the people that watch his i guarantee you they just don't care and that's a reality good bad right wrong and different you know power determines that and that's why he has the power to do that should somebody hold accountable they should but there's nobody to do it he's the one that grew the ufc he has the power mm-hmm. Byron, with what you've seen i guess these different examples and you know especially when you get to Kyrie, there was protests on both sides and people even coming out of support were uh quickly having to denounce some of their statements and to um really reaffirm that they weren't you know, prejudice in any way, not discriminatory in any way, even if they just show support for people, um, you know, like Kyrie coming out of those instances. Do you think that as a positive that has an impact because it does deter that type of behavior and it does put people on notice that, hey, anything can be on high alert? Or do you think it still just leaves things so cloudy that, you know, people don't really know when there is going to be backlash and when things may just go under the radar. As they say, Adam is a fine line between love and hate, you know? Um, And I think when (laughs) like situations like that take place, that's really where you are. I think when you think about Kyrie, he's already a person that's not given the benefit of the doubt ever since he came out and told people that he's a flat earther. He lost about 90% of the U.S. population with that right there. But, um, you know, and people also, when you think about someone like 
Kanye, he's been doing out of pocket things for quite some time now. So people have thought that he's lost his mental capacity for life. Um, and this was just another step in that. Um, he's, he's probably one of the first non-athletes to get CTE. Some people may have thought, but, um, regardless, I think it really depends on the person and, hate to say it, but I'm going to say it, the skin color of the person, because certain people are given um, the benefit of the doubt more often than the others. Like Steve alluded to, you're talking about um, people hitting their wives. You're talking about people stealing money, millions of dollars. I haven't seen anything come of it, of those situations. Yet, you know, those other those other individuals were dragged through and, and right or wrong, they were wrong in what they said. Um, but they just said, they just did said some things. Uh, other people took actions, you know, and I think your actions should be spoken louder than words said. But obviously in these situations, that's not how things are being played out. Yeah. I think uh, it's, it's completely fair to say that. I think I think Dave Chappelle gets, you know, the white treatment, if we want to call it, you know, what it is. Dave Chappelle can come out and say whatever he wants for the rest of his career. And the more ridiculous it is, the probably richer he gets. And is it because he's one of the top comedians of all time? Maybe. Um, but it, it is true. It's easy to bury Kanye and Kyrie. And it's very difficult, apparently, to hold Dana White and Brett Favre accountable. And I think skin color is going to play and has played a massive impact on that throughout every course of life. You ever go to grade school, middle school, and you see a white kid and a black kid? I'm going to get really controversial here. And they both make the same mistake. And the white kid gets to talk to, told you need to be better. And the black kid gets suspended. Have you ever seen that? I have. So I think that's a common theme um, throughout life and not just cancel culture aspect. So that's just a reality. Adam, am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. Byron, what, I saw you chime in for a second. What did you have? No, I was just going to tell. I was just going to say that I agree with Steve, you know, and a lot of um a lot of black kids that I know when you're when you're brought up, a lot of their parents would tell them, hey, you got to be twice as good as anyone else, you know, because you're not given the benefit of the doubt. So a lot of people were raised that way. I know I was one of those individuals that were raised that way. You can't you're not going to get a second chance. You know, this is your opportunity. You make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Not putting yourself in the same situations because the treatment was not going to be equal in terms of, you know, something were to happen, you know, who is going to get the same, you know, same punishments, same, just even the same look, the same perspective and the same, you know, treatment in the very basic sense. I will say it to, to this point that we're all circling around I believe that will get better because it will have to because of the tools and resources, A, that are available, 
but also B, because of the social media component of life, that we're just going to see these things that 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you just didn't see, you didn't hear about in schools and different things. So it will get better. The question is, how much better does it does it make a dent? Does it drive any change? Does it do anything? Or did it just get minuscule? Do you think cancel culture still is something that is less driven by morals and ideals shifting than just money and whether or not somebody's on the right side of timing will always be everything, right? Is it a trending topic? Is it trending? We didn't we didn't care about Dana White. We don't we don't care whether it's because we have a lot of other things going on or what. It, it was never trending. It never grabbed our attention. I say ours in the media. Um, these things always come out at election time. You can always count on different things to push a narrative. But the problem is we just don't do well with these when it's not that time. Um, and it's media focused, but we have the powers, the people we've always had the power. It's just whether or not we really utilize it and drive it. Yeah. I mean, part of me feels positively, you know, I, I think sometimes we get too caught up in the media circus and, you know, dealing too much with just things that in the grand scheme of things aren't that important. But I think when it speaks to society as a whole, and these are just a microcosm of, how society treats things, how society views race when you're looking at some ways to punish or even bring exposure to things that are happening. You know, I, I think that's something that is important to discuss because the fact that people like Brett Favre can rob people who need it the most from his hometown state and not really get really any publicity or a, a lot of notoriety from it, it it really is shocking yeah and i think too a lot of it plays a part that yeah whether it's the trump effect or what but you know social media was absolutely miserable during most of his presidency but in particular at the end right and all these would come about and everybody would be researching and looking into you're either defending them you're against them so you're looking into all these situations people get over that when it's not and people aren't watching the media anymore people aren't tuning into cnn and fox news like they used to and you can't really blame people for not wanting to watch mainstream media it's as toxic as as it ever has been but I just hope that people take the time to understand, learn. It's okay to not jump the gun in situations and demand that you see one 10 second clip and your mind is made up just like that. The problem is when the person that was the one that made the mistake comes out and says, no, we're done here. That's, that's where the problem lies. I don't have a problem with doing research, waiting for facts, waiting to find out. But when, when nothing happens, that's that's where it gets dicey to me. Absolutely. Well, let's spin this to something positive as far as something happening. We got some positive legislature. I know Adam alluded to it earlier. Uh, why don't you bring us up to speed with that? Yeah, so this actually, it was uh, voted in as legislation in last summer, uh, in June of 2022, it'll go into effect uh, in schools in 2024. But Michigan is becoming one of the few states 
to introduce a financial literacy course requirement in high school curriculum. So for ninth graders starting in 2024, they will take a half credit course that focuses on financial literacy and and basically things to help uh, an adult navigate their life from a financial perspective, balancing the checkbook, things like that. So, you know, I, I think that this is, you know, great. You know, Michigan isn't the only state to be doing it. So, um, you know, it, it, it is cool to see states really kind of getting in front of this. And, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to really see what the course breakdown the syllabus looks like. But if, if it was you, Byron, what what are some things that, uh, you know, you would look to see from this type of course? Well, hopefully they get into the basic fundamentals of breaking down like a paycheck so people could see. Like, all right, this is how taxes work and they understand the fundamentals of maybe even teaching them how to do their taxes. Uh, They understand how credit works, you know, how you can build your credit, how you can establish credit. Uh, Some people don't even understand they get a credit card like, oh, I could just swipe. No, you got to pay that money back with interest. Hold on, what? Yeah. (laughs) So it's, I mean, hopefully that those are the types of things that they're talking through. They're teaching them, you know, the, the basics of investing as well. Like this is how you're able to build wealth. Um, Maybe get into that as well to help them start themselves off with a solid foundation, as opposed to starting in a hole. Um. So two things. Number one, I can actually recall a year ago on this podcast that this was something that that Byron brought up is something he would like to see for both the youth or going forward. That was a little bit different. So I can't believe Gretchen listened to you uh, and went through with it. So you get all of the props, take all of the credit. Uh, If there was show and tell or tell uh, your classmates or work. Uh, I would be talking about it as if I was the one that did it, if I was you. We'll just thank our listeners. We'll just thank our listeners. Thank our listeners. I pulled up the list of the the states, according to the RamseySolutions.com. This is actually interesting to read. It is majority um, to get political Republican states here. It is Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Michigan now, Mississippi, Missouri, Nebraska, North Carolina, Ohio, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Tennessee, Utah, Virginia. My challenge would be, number one, every single state should be out here. I don't know a single person that would be against this. Um, Of all the things to learn, shout out to the astronomy courses, uh, the the advanced PE courses. All these things are outstanding. But financial literacy, I think, is so I could have used it. Um, Heck, I could probably still use it the way I swiped my credit card on vacations at Christmas, but um, I think it's super important. I think you could go down to like, people don't know they can run their own business and different things like that. Um, And I just think this is a really, really big deal. Um, And I hope every state follows suit 15 out of 50. Um, I'm no, you know, math genius like Adam, but that's not a strong percentage. Maybe for baseball, it is. 
What's that? 300 literally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Steve, like you said, every state should have something like this. Definitely. And the, the biggest piece is this is part of a billion dollar education program uh, investment bill that Michigan is putting into play. And, you know, you would think this is one of the areas of, bipartisan comfort zone for trying to get things done when you're talking about education getting something for the kids you know i think everybody's aligned in the fact that the kids are our future so yeah i'm glad that this was put together as a piece of a larger puzzle to help with infrastructure and other things um and that that gets to our question last week byron you missed it so i want to definitely make sure you're able to enjoy this but if you had to create one bill what would it be and what would it be called? Ooh. Yeah, he threw it on me too. Jeez. And we'll let you think I on that for a second. I, no, I got one. Uh oh. Okay. Okay. But it's not, I mean, it's already there. They're already trying to roll it out, but it would be the uh, debt forgiveness. So there's a lot of people that, have student loans. I, I don't know what the percentage is. I would guess 25% of adults have some type of debt. Um, and you can get, you know, up to $50,000 of that wiped off, like kind of like a criminal record. You got one time you can spend up to $50,000. The government will take care of it. Um, you know, as long as you pay your taxes, you default on that, you go to jail or something like that. I don't know. I think I love that. I think that's a great a, a great conversation piece that always gets thrown back to people's faces um, as if companies don't wipe away debt and, and people don't. I think there's fair questions to ask, right? If you're going to wipe away debt, what do you do about kids that are in college right now type situation? So there's questions that you could ask, but when you don't have financial literacy courses, at 30 at the time, you know, these are these states that are passing these, by the way, a lot of these are going live soon. So this was not obviously we can all agree financial literacy was not discussed in high school at a very, very high percentage. So if you incorporate those into there. Then that sets the future up, but then the government's not giving people money to borrow and can't make money. So or can't make that money. I I think I'll call my bill the free education bill. So you gotta put your name on it. All Byron. secondary, all secondary education is free. If you took out loans to go to school within, you know, and you completed school, you still have debt. We'll wipe out up to fifty thousand dollars of it. Um, if you're currently in school, you no longer have to pay for your education. You will have to pay for your room and board and they can make some money. The state can make and schools can make some money that way. But um, that's what I would do. That's my bill. There you go. Okay. I like that. I like that. And I think, you know, we got some work to do. We can get our Mika's brief ready for the Supreme court hearings coming up soon uh, because we have, we got to get ready. There's, there's going to be a lot of debate on that, but you know, I'm hoping, you know, not only as a student loan, uh, debtor myself, but just from the perspective of trying to 
get us out of this cycle of getting people just as they're getting out of adulthood into heavy debt. You know, hopefully there is something that can change this up because I would like to see with the financial literacy courses that are going in play, you know, across the country, maybe that would lead to some wiser decisions being made in that 18 to 22 year old level where people are putting on, you know, five, six figures worth of debt, sometimes without the right plan to handle that. But I'm all bored. Byron, you weren't here, but it's a, it's a third of lottery bill. I want I want lottery winnings going to low income schools. And schools shouldn't be focused on property taxes to determine how much money they get at these schools. That was my challenge. So I like it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, start getting our petitions together so we can get these things in action. Uh, we'll touch base with everybody next week for another edition of the Committee Collective Podcast for Steve Kerwin and Byron Hazley. This is Adam Stone signing off. Bye, everybody. Well, that's the show. Thanks again for joining us. And if you did not get the social media from earlier, Steve, can you tell them one more time where they can find us? Absolutely, Adam. Go to the website, thecommittedcollective.org. Don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You could find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Committed Collective. And my personal favorite on Facebook, The Committed Collective Forum, where we have open dialogue topics about conversations that we need to have that we might not necessarily want to. As always, remember to challenge inequalities and champion change now.